Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? I'm Jason Carty. I'm Stephen Cockcroft. And we're live on tape from Dublin. This is the second part of our Beatles at Christmas uh, episodes. And in the first part, we looked at the the Christmases from 1960 to 1964 and how the Beatles went from being despondent about the future on the back of Hamburg to being the all-conquering pop and rock music champions of the world. Toppermost of the poppermost. They had kept true to that promise uh, by December 1964. So we're going to look at the back end of the 1960s now because as we signed off with the last time, there aren't really any more mountains left to climb once they get to the end of 1964. And, uh, you know, you I think out of all the rock stars in the world, you can almost forgive the Beatles for taking the diversion into drugs because they need to turn inwards and find out more about what's going on. When you get to the topmost of the poppermost, maybe there's nothing there. Except drugs. Except drugs and spirituality and all the things that kind that of... That would uh, follow. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that kind of attract... Um, that attract rock stars. So let's look into December 1965. And uh, at this point, they are about to put out the Rubber Soul album. So they've made that album very, very quickly. And that album's going to be coming out and number one for Christmas. They're going to put out the simultaneous double A side, We Can Work It Out and Day Tripper. And that's going to be a Christmas number one as well. But they're also in December 1965 doing their last set of UK gigs. And that's kind of a, you know, they're, it's an odd time for them to be they're touring still, the UK. They're still doing the circuit. Yes. They're doing the UK circuit. And, uh, you know, by this stage, they played these enormous concerts uh, in America. And now they're back to playing two, three thousand seat yes, theatres. And, and, and because simply the venues don't exist uh, in England. So, again, uh, we're back to this notion of... Um, the, the, the kind of conflict or, or the tension between their getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. Uh, England, that touring circuit, is they've really outgrown that. Yes. Um, they're about to produce an album which is really the last album that, that they can tour in, in terms of the songs and being able to replicate. Yeah. Uh, from this point on, they start to uh, to sort of get get into the studio. Yeah. Um, so again, there's that constant tension and whether it, it, it always seems to come to the fore uh, at this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christmas can bring out the best and the worst in all of us. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, at that time, they are putting out We Can Work It Out, which apparently they play on that UK tour. Yes, uh, it makes a set list on a couple of occasions, um, but then, then it gets dropped. And this was something that, that came up on 
Twitter. Yes. Uh, people saying, uh, you know, there's no live recording of that song. Yes. Um, and um, there, if you go onto YouTube, there's a there, there's what purports to be a live recording. But we don't know if it's well, we don't fake know if that's or not. If, if that's fake. Yeah, it's, it's it's apparently we think the only song the Beatles recorded live that we don't have a proper live recording. Oh, yeah. that the Beatles played live, certainly in their famous years, uh, or certainly the only Lennon and McCartney song that we don't have a live recording of. And, and again, what what you've got is this phenomenal work rate. Yes, and this is probably the this is probably again the pinnacle of that. So mm. they they are really up against it to record uh, the Probably album, so, get yeah. the album out for Christmas. Um, at the same time, they, they think, yep, yeah, but we're still going to stay true to this idea of having a standalone single as well. Single. Because they're still playing the old rock and roll standards and yeah. Long Tall Sallies and, uh, and all the rest. Um, but it's interesting because there's a, at the start of that tour, um, there's kind of almost a metaphor for what goes on. So they're they're driving down the road and uh, uh, I think Neil is driving at the time and somebody says oh you dropped a banjo off the back <laughs> and uh, what's the story there? It's um, so this is their, their show I mean again and this is this is again an indication of, of what it was like to be touring in England um, so George says later 14 guitars strapped to the roof of our Austin Princess and uh, so you just have this crazy uh, uh, picture of an Austin princess, guitar strapped to the roof. Alf Bicknell, their chauffeur, is travelling up the M1. Um, somebody flags him down. He goes back, and by the time he gets back to it, the guitar is just matchwood. And this is George's uh, Gretsch country gentleman uh, guitar. And, uh, you know, George is making the point and saying, oh, you know, people say, don't worry about it, you could buy as many guitars as you want. But he said, this is a, this is a guitar to which he had a real emotional attachment. So that's, that's the start uh, that's how their tour starts. And it is funny that, as you say, that's how they are touring um, uh, at that time, that they're still travelling in cars. There's not really a whole lot of comfort to uh, to what's going on at that time. So, yeah, so getting back to that issue of, you know, what songs were they playing at the time? Uh, we're just pulling up a quick look list here. Uh, you know, they're playing, OK, they're doing Nowhere Man. They're doing We Can Work It Out. Uh, they're doing Day Tripper. Uh, on that tour they're doing help which from earlier in 65 uh, but they're still also doing um, they're finishing up with I'm Down and Act Naturally and all the rest so it's still a bit of a it's not a total reflection of you know when you look back to December 1965 as a fan you kind of think oh yes they were all getting very progressive but they're still playing these provincial theatres travelling in you know Austin cars up and down the motorways the nascent motorway network of the UK and uh, you know it's it's not a, a comfortable way of life um, they do not have a Christmas show in 1965, um, but they do do play uh, two gigs in London uh, in the Hammersmith Odeon and uh, also in the Finsbury Park again. Um, but actually, for this time round, they've uh, they're, they're taking Christmas off, but they still put out another Christmas record, the third, what's called the uh, the Beatles' third Christmas record, and this is a slightly. Uh, you could say it's a weary beast or a slightly more cynical record so. maybe it, compared it, to the other ones yeah it has an odd uh, sort of gestation here because what happened it, it was generally sort of October seems to be the time they start directing their thoughts to, to recording a, a Christmas records so they, they have a false start uh, mid-October October the 19th they go to London's Marquee Studio um which I don't think they were ever in any other time, were I, they? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but I, so I'm, I'm not quite sure why they they, they aren't uh, in, in Studio 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about a week into the recording of Rubber, uh, Rubber Soul. And the interesting thing for me here is that 
they, they start working on sketches around uh, uh, the idea of a pirate radio station. Right. And that's the initial, um, the, the initial conceit behind it. But the whole thing doesn't work for some reason. Um, uh, but thankfully, the Who were able to stretch that out for an entire uh, over, album about eighteen months later. <laughs> for, for, for for some reason, they they're just not kind of feeling it. They're, yeah, they're, it's just, it's just not working. And um, again, harking back to that point I said previously, the workload that they have at the minute uh, in in 1965 is just phenomenal, and maybe that's what's what's taking the taking its toll. But it's all a bit aimless. Um, then they start again on the 8th of November. Uh, they're in Abbey Road. They're working on uh, Think for Yourself, the George Harrison yeah. track. And George Martin thinks a uh, lot of kind of studio banter here. I'll just keep the tape running, see if there's any anything uh, salvageable uh, here. Um, this this doesn't really work either. Mm. Um, but that, that studio banter has an interesting uh, afterlife. Yeah, tell me about that because we were talking about this a, a little while ago. I didn't realise. I remember at the time that the snippets of them harmonising on Think for Yourself, they turn up in a blink and you'll miss it moment in the Yellow Submarine cartoon in 1968. Yes. Which gives George licence to put Think for Yourself on the Yellow Submarine soundtrack, soundtrack. Yeah. in 1999. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that comes from that kind of back and forth chat and that's in the Lewis and recording sessions he talks yes. about that but there's it then has another afterlife it has another afterlife so uh, 2001 there's an album comes out called Liverpool Sound Collage yes and this is an album that's credited to Paul McCartney The Beatles Super Furry Animals and Youth yes and uh, th- this is an album that comes out after the first two Firemen mm-hmm. uh, records that McCartney has done with, with youth. youth but this was Peter Blake, uh, who did the Pepper cover, asked uh, McCartney if he could sort of come up with something with a kind of Liverpool uh, influence. Mm. And at the time, I remember this being kind of trumpeted as a, you know, there was a, there's a Beatles track. There's yeah. unreleased Beatles on Beatles this. On this. Um, but what it is, is this studio chat that's sort of interwoven into various other bits and pieces. So you've got... Uh, a track that's credited to Super Furry Animals. You've got uh, bits of McCartney's Liverpool Oratorio with McCartney wandering around the streets of Liverpool with a microphone saying, what do you think about the Beatles? And doing like a box pop. It's a very... Like from his TV special. <laughs> it's a very odd um, album. I remember rushing out to buy the CD thinking this was going to be, yes. uh, you know, some some amazing unreleased Beatles track. It's an interesting thing if you, if you, I mean, if you come across it, I couldn't say it's a, it's it's not official canon. It's not something I would rush out to. Yeah, it is, it is an odd curio, but it does have the Beatles name on it and it does have yeah. the Beatles in it. And it was nominated for the 2001 Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album. Hmm. Do we know? It didn't win. It didn't win. Do we know who did win? I don't know who won, but uh, people can write in on the postcard. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it is an interesting thing. And I remember uh, when the Pepper Box came out, there was a bit that was like, I know that, which is the the Free Now bit. Yeah, so Free Now is a track on, on, on this album. Yeah. And it's uh, Take Nine of Sgt. Pepper, the title track. Yeah. Uh, is that, that's where that... Where Paul's just kind of extemporising free now, yeah. free now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've, you know, it's, chances are more people listening to this have heard the Pepper outtakes than heard Liverpool <laughs> Sand Collage, but you can go back to Liverpool Sand Collage and it's, it's all, uh, and, it's all uh, back there. Yes. And uh, that led on to McCartney working with Super Furry Animals on a track. Yes. Which again has a kind of throwback to another earlier 60s it's a, track. It's a Brian Wilson, he's eating a carrot or a vegetable. In that's it. it. So there's a song called, uh, it's 
it's on rings around the world and this is on called receptacle for the respectable yes and uh they asked paul would he come in and chew a carrot and, <laughs> and some celery to provide a kind of percussion track which is what he had done on yeah, for Brian Wilson. For Brian it, Wilson. Uh, it, it is a great song, receptacle for the respectable. Um, but you'd be listening pretty hard before you'll hear to, Paul to McCartney Brian. on. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it is a great song. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's funny how all these things, all these roads, go back to uh, December nineteen sixty five. But well, but this but yeah, this is this is the one I think I like least. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Christmas record. Yeah, the this record. is the Christmas yes. record. This is just a kind of it it it. it Sounds totally random. Yeah, uh, the, they're singing yesterday. This kind of off-key version of yesterday, which uh, you know, I, I I wonder are they kind of you know making fun of McCartney or just how successful that song had been? You know, a big hit single in America yes. as well. Plus, it's a kind of McCartney solo track, and the rest of them, you know, George used to introduce. Yesterday, as a you know, opportunity knocks for yeah. Mr. Paul McCartney, and um, well, we could almost do a whole podcast on yesterday. And maybe that's on the future list. But it's interesting again how yesterday becomes, even though it wasn't a single in the UK, it becomes this kind of focus for attention. And yeah, and, and certainly it, it it opens and it closes this Christmas record. But in between, it's totally random. There's a there's a sort of slight slightly aggressive tone. Yeah, um, and although they must have been happy. To, to be making the Christmas record, you, you kind of feel there's a, maybe an undercurrent of resentment. Uh, they do a parody of Eve of Destruction yes. uh, on it, um, and they suddenly break into same old song. And they have to, uh, there's a copyright and somebody thing. goes, oh, it's copyright, you have to stop that. But, uh, you know, it's maybe reading too much into it to say that was a kind of comment on, on, on what was happening at the time. Yeah. Um, but really, this was the point at which I think, uh, as you said in the introduction, they have to sort of turn inward and they're going to go into the studio this can't continue yes. this is the point it cannot continue and there's much less I suppose Christmas bonhomie about yes. this recording and if you look at Christmas 1965 Day Tripper and Week Work It Out is number one Rubber Soul is number one in the UK in the USA uh, the number one single is actually do you know what it is it's Over and Over by the Dave Clark Five okay and uh, but interestingly enough, in January '66, we can work it out. Battles for number one with the sound of silence by Simon Garfunkel. Right. So they are they're back and forth. They're up and down to number one. And the number one US album at the end of 1965 is Whipped Cream and Other Delights by uh, Herb Albert. Uh, can we touch briefly on uh, just this idea that they're they're changing and they're sort of pushing back slightly? Is the third film? Oh yes. So at this this point, it's a talent for loving. Is is mooted as the third film and uh, that's still being talked about. Epstein has bought the rights to this Um, and it's in the middle of December uh, John, Paul, George have a meeting on the 13th of December to discuss the third film and basically say it's not happening, we're not doing it. Um, So again this is them pushing back Mm -hmm. uh, against Epstein so uh, up to this point I suppose between 1961 and now, Epstein is setting out the template for what's happening. Yes, um, it, it's that kind of showbizy style thing. He's described as sort of smarting slightly that they won't do the '65 Christmas panto. Yeah, um, they've moved beyond that, but his his focus is still on theatre and, and and panto and Christmas and traditional. But it is interesting that you know they have a you know the Beatles have had this. Uh uh, talent for not doing things a second time but there are a couple of things they did a second yeah. time and we mentioned in part one how you know they went back to Hamburg at the end of 62 that seemed yes. odd 
they're still going back to provincial theatres, they're still going back to do films. There's a couple of things that do get repeated, but they do end up in them, you know, you could almost say at the same time that the live shows and the movies are both getting pushed back yes. at the same yes. time. It's this, it's this idea that they've they, they got to be move, moving ahead. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened, um, allegedly, on the 13th of December is presumably having just rejected the idea of a film. Yeah. Paul McCartney takes LSD for, for the first, first time. time. Yes, now... Uh, John and George had already taken LSD earlier in 65 with their dentist, of course, which of course. you do. Um, the uh, Ringo had taken LSD in the summer at a party in California, I think. Um, but Paul, um, sensible Paul, had been a bit... Uh, he talks about it being like a type of peer pressure and at the worst peer pressure because it's three Beatles against yeah. you. <laughs> but he does eventually relent. And he does, he does. And uh, the, the, the story is that they finish their final... UK tour and they do their uh, last ever UK gig in December 65 in, in Cardiff Cardiff which go. is the question I got wrong <laughs> at the recent at the Be the recent, Brain of uh, quiz. Uh, uh, quiz so <laughs> thank you for reminding me of that um, so, so they, they, they're celebrating the end of the tour and they go to the Scots of St James uh, nightclub and the next night John and McCartney go back and uh, they're there with uh, John Entwistle who I'm sure was a moderating influence <laughs> And uh, towards the end of the uh, of the evening, Lennon, perhaps oddly, sort of peels off and goes home. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCartney uh, and uh, a guy called uh, Viv Prince, who was the drummer or the former drummer in Pretty Things, um, they, they go on uh, to another venue. Uh, as does Tara Brown. Yes, and we'll come back who, to Tara. Brown, um, we'll, yeah, we'll come back. But he, he he's effectively a, a sort of part of the Guinness mm. uh, family. And um, this is this is in in the Barry Miles book. Uh, many years from now, uh, McCartney says, "You know, I thought, well, this is as good a time as any." So I said, "Go on, then, fine." So we all did it, and he's he's kind of quite matter of fact in that book about mm-hmm. it was like, "Oh yeah," so then yeah, okay, let's do. It. But that must have been really quite. A, a significant moment for him because not only the sort of the the mind expanding effect of the drug, but this this kind of he's crossing a line. He's held he's held out against this, mm-hmm. and you, you kind of do get the sense you know Lenin is just prepared to take anything, uh, and will push it even back as far as Hamburg. He's the one that's doing the most drugs. So yes. if someone's taking a speed, he's going to take twice as much. Um, Harrison is kind of it's the sort of spiritual side. McCartney is the man who's always in control. Yes, um, always conscious of the public image. So it must be quite a, a step for him to do uh, to take that. And in the end, he doesn't do it with the other Beatles as well. Which is yeah, that's interesting, interesting you know? uh, as well. And I mean, I suppose is it just it was an opportunistic thing that oh the the the, the situation arose, or or did the fact that there were no other Beatles there did that help him? Yes. Uh, you know that he he was doing this outside. Well, the other thing was they, they you know, for once they are not working across the Christmas, so he yeah. has a little bit of free time. Yes. You know, he probably says, "Well, I can take tomorrow off if this if I feel a bit unwell." Yeah. But you know, they are not working right up to Christmas Day. Once they play that last gig on December the twelfth, they're they're kind of lying low for the rest of sixty five, aren't they? So he, he kind of has a bit of a leeway to do it. But we mentioned Tara Brown there, who's going to. Play, crop, up. crop up on a couple of other key events and the other key event is on the uh, 26th of December 1965 uh, uh, which was a Sunday Boxing Day or Stevens' Day or whatever, whatever part of the world you're in um, you know a, a kind of a key event happens that casts an odd long shadow yes. which is that uh, Paul is up in Liverpool 
uh, for Christmas. He is with Tara Brown. And Tara Brown at this stage, I think, is 20 years old. As you said, he is the heir. He's due to inherit uh, like a seven-figure family dowry from the Guinness family fortune. Um, But he is a high society London socialite. And his life is... uh, covered in a a great recent book by uh, Irish author Paul Howard called I Read the News Today Oh Boy Fantastic book if anybody hasn't read that it's now a paperback edition I really recommend uh, you pick that up It's a top book and so for the 26th of December Paul is up on a moped with Tara Brown they're both on a moped each they're they're pegging it around the Wirral in Liverpool who knows whether drink has been taken Um, but Paul then sort of has a just basically bicycle crash he just comes flying off yeah. his bicycle uh, and then so what's the end result of that well the end result is or the immediate result is he's, is he chips a tooth but yeah he talks about it in the anthology book where he's riding along on mopeds with Tara showing him the Liverpool scenery and um, he says suddenly, you know, suddenly he has a freeze frame motion and he ends up on the ground looking up at the moon um, and he says he had a slow motion moment where he said to himself ah I'm going to hit the pavement with my face <sighs> Um, and then he goes, he, had, he was bringing Tara Brown over to his cousin's house and it turns around that, um, uh, you know, that uh, the, the cousin or somebody stitched, put a stitch into yeah. Paul's lip, which is odd when you think about, you know, this you, is a... You think they could get This a, face is his fortune. They could get a, they could get a doctor. And, yeah. Uh, someone, someone said, actually, as, as Paul has aged, yeah. you can see that scar kind of pulling slightly on the lip. So if yeah. you notice uh, it's it sort of from the sort of late 70s on, he has a slight kind of uh, uh, twist to that upper lip, which is maybe the scar. So the the, the the motorbike crash also kind of feeds into the Paul is dead myth yes, uh, as well, uh, that this yeah. is apparently the thing that killed Paul yes, in the yes, Paul is Paul dead Paul died myth. at this point and was replaced by Paul. But that's not true. Well, it's a myth, Stephen. Is it's it not true? true? Perhaps that's something we need to look at in more detail. In a future episode. In a future episode. Maybe, maybe we do. Um, so Christmas 1965, another time of change. Um, They're not working so hard. Uh, let's skip forward now to December 1966. And by December 1966, uh, they are in, again, a totally different space. They have played their last ever paying live performance in Candlestick Park in August. Um there's a, a period of quiet. It's been announced that there is no Beatles Christmas album. There is no Beatles Christmas single. They put out the collection of Beatles oldies that we talked about on a previous episode for Christmas. And the uh, Beatles also, for Christmas week, they take the front page of the enemy and put up an ad wishing everyone a happy Christmas. No tour. And there's no tour. There's no British tour. There's, there's, there's kind of articles in the press. Are they splitting up? What's going on? Um, but what is happening... Um, once they come back from their post-Candlestick Park hiatus where Lennon's making a film and Paul's doing his stuff, is that they go back to Abbey Road and they start working on a famous suite of songs. Uh, so Strawberry Fields and When I'm 64, these are the two, the first uh, songs that they're working on as part of the sessions that would lead into to Pepper. And as you say, at this point, it's the lack of product, hmm. the lack of visibility, the fact that each of them is doing something separate. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's fueling that kind of uh, press yes. speculation. And so 
in December 66, they are back ensconced in Abbey Road and uh, it's time to talk about the Christmas record again. The Christmas record this year is a totally different beast from the three previous Christmas records. It's the fourth Christmas record and it has a title. It's called Pantomime Everywhere It's Christmas. And it is a pantomime. It's like a little goon style proto Monty Python radio play thing. It it is. I think think, uh, this is probably my uh, favourite Beatles Christmas record because it's, it's, it's that they're using George Martin um, to bring that same kind of uh, sensibility that he brought to the, the goons mm. uh, to, to this. So it's 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 scripted. It's got sound effects. It's got music. It's got a kind of very weird narrative of sorts. Yes. Um, and th- this this is recorded the day after they've recorded the first take of Strawberry, of Fields. Strawberry Fields. Yeah, recorded um, by in Dick James' studio on Friday, November the 25th, 66. Yeah, so, so what what they do is they they go and watch this new American guy, uh, guitar player at the Bag of Nails, which Jimmy What was his Hen- name? Did Jimmy, he go on Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix. Oh, my word. Um, so yeah. they, they go and see him. That That's his, uh, that, that's his UK debut. Mm. Uh, and then uh, they... They gather in the Dick James studio uh, to tape this record. Christmas. And uh, and so that comes out uh, as the fan club flexi, and it's a very funny, charming, very different type. There's none of this thanks to all the fans. Uh, that's the thing; it's, it's they've abandoned the kind of Tony Barrow. You've got to thank everybody. You, yeah. You've got to do this. Is this is uh, uh, also they're they're performing little characters, so they're not really appearing as, as themselves. themselves. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're kind of echoing, uh, I suppose, what they do is they're going to become not the Beatles, they're going to become Sgt. Pepper's yeah. Lonely Hearts Club band. Candles. Matches. Matches. Candles. candles matches, if yes. anyone wants to check. <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, it genuinely uh, is, is very funny. If, you've, if, you've, if you're tuned into the goons and then what would become Monty Python, and I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of what's happening on this record and the next one prefigures Python. Yes. Uh, f- f- for me. Um, but yes, Podgy the Bear and Jasper uh, <laughs> are, are my favourite. Um, and, and, and also there are little songs mm-hmm. in here, um, uh, one of which the unreleased Beatles classic, Please Don't Bring Your Banjo Back, I Don't Know Where It's Been. Um, so again, it, it's, it's they're, they're, they're sort of subverting that whole uh, music hall pantomime yeah. Uh, uh, idea they're putting it onto the record there's no Christmas show there's no Christmas tour uh, they're, they're acting here and for that month in the studio you know they spend an awful lot of time on Strawberry Fields and uh, when I'm 64 and then at the end of the month they bring in Penny Lane just right right after Christmas Day um, but the other striking thing that happens is on Sunday the 18th of December Tara Brown who's now 21 dies in a car accident mm. and uh, this is the, the car accident that is reported to be the car accident referred to in uh, A Day in the Life Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of you know when you, when you put the timeline together you think this, is, this was a guy they knew and he has this kind of very striking death where he uh, to quote the song he, he went through a red light, he didn't notice the lights had changed and he collides yeah. with a, a vehicle and he swerves the car and his passenger survives but he dies yes instantly. so his his girlfriend uh, of the time is in the car and uh lennon says you know i was writing a day in the life i had the daily mail popped up in front of me on the piano and uh, there were various stories 
Uh, and how Lennon describes it, he says one of was about the Guinness heir who killed himself in a car. Mm. So Lennon, much, much less close than Paul. To, than, than Paul, you know, Paul and Tara Brown had a very close um, uh, relationship at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul would say, you know, oh, yes, that that we kind of uh, uh, wrote that together. We had some kind of input here. But it, it, it's a kind of lasting legacy yes. uh, to, to Tara Brown, who, who was sort of at the center of the swinging 60s, that whole kind of slightly aristocratic social scene that was whirling around that yeah. these working class uh, rock stars like the Stones and the Beatles were, were, were sort of suddenly mixing with this. this well, there's a great book you threw my way, which was what called Ready, Steady, Go by um, uh, Levy. Levy it, yes, John Levy. Yeah. And uh, which kind of accounts for that, you know, this kind of uh, melting pot from, you know, the UK classes of how you know, royalty would be mixing with, you know, photographers, hairdressers, yes. all these, uh, th- these are the kind of traditional trades that, that kind of commingle in the 60s. And so the notion of a, a multimillionaire family socialite and, you know, the son of a cotton trader from yes. Liverpool being friends just seemed like normal for the times. Yes, I think I think so. And, uh, and again, it's this notion he was he, he almost sort of uh, epitomizes that mm. uh, London swinging 60s, the, you know, the kind of uh, good looking young man, lots of money, uh, yes. attractive girlfriend, sports cars. Uh, hanging around with 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 rock stars, yeah. so, you know, the, he he he's kind of like the the poster boy, I suppose. And so the Beatles are still at work. So even two days later, uh, there's a famous bit of footage that's recorded on the 20th of December, which yeah. is I I really like, which is uh, the ITN Independent Television News reporter who's stopping the Beatles on the steps as they go up into Abbey Road, and it's in black and white, and he stops them one at a time to ask them, you know, what are you doing to try and pop the bubble of. Uh, is it over? Are you dried yes. up? What's going on? And so he, he kind of meets the Beatles one by one. Uh, so he meets John first, and John's pretty chipper. He's pretty chipper. He's he's got you know bundle of LPs under his arm, and he's saying, "Oh, we, we we've done individual individual projects this year, but you know, good relationship, and we're not going to tour. But you know, Paul and I, we're going to write songs yes. forever." Uh, and then Paul turns up with Mal Evans and he says he's kind of, they're fed up with touring and, you know, they, they didn't think they could perform well. So that's where that narrative starts. Yes. Where we can't hear ourselves. And yes, we can't yeah. So, uh, 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 and again, this is a this is a sort of staged, this is arranged that, the, that they will be speaking to the reporters as they as they. Oh, arrive. yeah, he, he doesn't doorstep them. They know yeah, he's yeah, going to be there and they've agreed happen. to meet him. Yes. Um, having said that, George is next. And then George is... Is, is quite grumpy. And what he, a surprise. He, he, uh, he simply goes, we're not splitting up and kind of runs off. Yeah, and he just runs into the studio. But they yeah. all, he, has a, he has a good moustache in that, if memory serves. Yeah. And then Ringo arrives with Neil Aspinall and he speaks for the longest and he's just lovely. He yeah. wishes everyone a happy Christmas yep. down into the camera and he signs autographs and, uh, you know, he's totally cool. It says everything. he's not bored. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, again, it's interesting that they felt the need to do this. They yeah. felt the need to... Uh, check in with everyone. Uh, check in, but also to sort of... Uh, don't worry, uh, because just because we're not touring, just because there isn't a record, just because there isn't a single. Yes. Uh, don't worry, we all like each other and we've done our own things, but we'll be forever together. Yes, and that, and that interview goes out on the 28th of December and in the back of their minds they must be thinking, ho ho, Paula said, you know, just yeah, you wait got, to see we, what we, we've got. We know we what we've got up our sleeve sort of thing. We, we know what's coming. Twelve months later again, Christmas 1967, it is a totally different world once again for the Beatles. And it is their first Christmas without Brian Epstein. And that's probably reflected in 
what they put out at Christmas 1967. It is the Christmas of Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Um, and But they still also manage uh, to put out their fifth Beatles Christmas record, which is the one that might be best known, which is Christmas Time is Here Again, which is a track that in its unedited form appeared on a B-side of uh, Free as a Bird back in 1995. Yes. Uh, and it's a good track, Christmas Time is Here Again. You know? It is. Uh, it is. I mean, it's a full-blown, you know, lyrically a bit sparse, but it's a full-blown production. Yeah, it's a, it's a full-blown Beatles production. And it's interesting that, uh, although we have these fan club records, uh, we don't really have a Beatles Christmas standard along the lines of Happy Christmas War no, is Over or no. Wonderful Christmas Time that we have every year. So Christmas Time is here again. It's probably the, if you're doing a mix CD, it's probably the only Beatles Christmassy song you could, yeah. you could, you um, could it, stick it, on. It, it, it does remind me of Hello Goodbye. Okay. The arrangement. I don't know why. Maybe it's the, the end, uh, the little kind of outro of and Hello the dr- Goodbye. The drums, the, the drums are recorded. Um, yeah, but it's an interesting, you know, I think if it had been put out as a Christmas single, it would probably have gone to number one, but I, simply because it was the Beatles. But, um, uh, you, you know, I think it's a standalone track. It's interesting. It's got a full production, which has never really been done before for, and it, for a Beatles record. And interestingly, it says on the back of the Beatles' fifth Christmas record, uh, recorded in the studios of EMI St. John's Wood, Abbey Road, obviously, on Tuesday, November the 28th, 67, augmented applause recorded on location in Dublin. Uh, using F8 filter at 33 SA. So uh, there's a little bit of Dublin on Christmas. Did they just stop people in Dublin and ask them to, to clap into a mic in the I street? Don't know. Well, Dublin audiences are the they best, would, aren't they? They, they are the best. Well, they're, they're second best. But, um, okay. Um, <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, the, the, I, again, I, I do like this uh, record, and I think the, the cover is a sort of collage uh, yes. that, that John and Ringo. Yes, and Julian gets a shout out yep. as, a, as a sleeve designer as well. Um, Julian but the, one of the things that I hadn't realised, uh, what, what they do here is they have little jingles. Um, so get Wanderlust for your trousers is one of the jingles. But <laughs> Wanderlust, they, right? They, 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 um, again, it's a, a sort of little narrative about mm-hmm. turning up at BBC House. Victor Spinetti is on the record as yep. the, 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 the doorman at the BBC. But I, I always assumed that this came after the Who Sell Out, right. which is the record that features little jingles and pirate radio things and things like that. But actually, but that comes out in December, doesn't it? This was album? recorded. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before that came out. Right. So um, my, my question to the the ether <laughs> is would the Beatles have heard or would they have been aware that that's what The Who were doing or that there was a record about to come out uh, that The Who sell out came out on the 15th of isn't December it, Isn't it mad just as a side point as we're recording this that The Who are putting a new album out 
Imagine if the Beatles were putting a new album out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all very... I haven't heard it, but it's getting five-star reviews. I have heard it. Um, so, uh, Moving on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the big thing at Christmas, as I said, though, is Magical Mystery Tour. And that's due to be premiered on the BBC on Boxing Day. But what happens, obviously, in the preamble to that is the first new material yeah. in the wake of uh, the sad death um, uh, of Brian Epstein at the end of the summer. And uh, that takes the form of two things. So the Beatles never won to do one thing when they could do two things, put out a, a standalone single of Hello, Goodbye, mm-hmm. which is backed with I'm the Walrus. But I'm the Walrus is also part of the other thing they put out, which is a six track double EP to go along with Magical Mystery Tour. Which is something I've never understood. Why, I've never understood why that Why is I am the Walrus Oh, why is that on the B side? Well, I've never understood why they felt the need to put out a single. Yeah. If they're if they're doing Magical Mystery Tour as their thing mm. for the year, surely that was enough to to get attention. Why would they be in competition with themselves? Because the the reality is, then for number one at Christmas '67, um, you have uh, Hello Goodbye at number one, and you have the Magical Mystery Tour double EP uh, sitting at uh, number two. You know, I, at this stage, they had they had a number of unreleased songs yeah. that could have been put on the B-side of yes. Hello Goodbye, but they, they sort of double up. And I've, I've never uh, I've never really heard anyone comment on that or, or ask why. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. And the UK album that was number one for Christmas 67 was? Um, is it something by the Monkees? No. That was uh, in 66. They were uh, starting to get some money. music or Val Doonigan? Val Doonigan rocks, but gently. But interestingly... <sighs> Sergeant Pepper. I got there in the end. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper goes back to number one in January '68. We kind of think of it as a strictly '67 record, yeah. but even in January '68, Sergeant Pepper is still number one. Well, I know the. I I, I know there were only four or five records got to number one. To you know, there was Pepper. The Monkees had two, mm-hmm. and Val Donegan, and, and then. You well, know, in so the we, U.S., Pisces, Capri- Pisces Aquarius, mm. Capricorn, and Jones Limited by the Monkees is number one, and what a super album that is. Uh, uh, I'm saying that unironically. Uh, Magical Mystery Tour, the US album that w- did not come out in yes, the UK, yes. did get to number one in the USA from um, January the 6th, nineteen sixty. See, they should put I Am the Walrus on that album twice. <laughs> well, yes, it does. Yes, on the B-side as well. Um, the other thing that's happening is Apple. Yes, uh, the boutique. So, yeah, the boutique. So at, at, the, at the beginning of December, uh, there's a launch party on the 5th of December. Uh, for the boutique that's opening in Baker Street and uh, John and George uh, turn up Uh, Paul is on holiday in Scotland Ringo is in Italy filming uh, his part in Candy Um, and uh, so so that that, the launch party the uh, shop opens on the 7th and um, uh, Paul says, you know, this is going to be a beautiful place where beautiful people can buy beautiful things <laughs> or shoplift <laughs> or, steal uh, which, which, or steal beautiful things. Um, so that was that was the start of, if you like, the Beatles doing something that's not music or music related. And they're moving into this notion of Apple. Yes, it might be the first time that the public become aware of that word Apple being yes, uh, associated yes. with the Beatles. And of course, there's that. Uh, very uh, famous, very impressive, multi psychedelic mural, uh, right. mural, yes, which which, nice. which lasts uh, you know about two weeks before the other people in the street say we we can't stand this and it has to be painted oh, dear. over. Um, so not, they weren't groovy, groovy people, <laughs> groovy cats. If only we we had it now. Um, so as I said, the Magical Mystery Tour EP comes out that same week that the Apple Boutique opens. And what's interesting is we don't sometimes have a sense of how big these things sold, but the Magical Mystery Tour double EP in the 
uh, UK sold had sold 600,000 copies by January 1968 and uh, you know the, we probably might do an episode about the EPs generally in the future because yeah. we don't tend to have a sense about they were big sellers they were huge EP the Beatle EPs yes in the, in the UK this was the, uh, you know I, I never really understood uh you know what was going on with EPs, not specifically Magical Mystery Tour, but you think, well, these these are songs that are they're pulling off albums. We know that kind of trope about uh, oh, the Beatles don't put out singles that are that that are on albums, but yep. uh, the EPs are effectively four songs generally culled from an album. But the idea, I think, was uh, still this notion that teenagers, the target, mar- they don't have the money for albums, so yep. you pick the four. Uh, sort of most popular songs off a particular album you put it out as an EP and that that allows the teenagers to buy those songs Um, so all was looking well on Christmas Day 1967 the public were listening to the Magical Mystery Tour album they were looking forward to the Christmas special on Christmas Day Paul McCartney announces his engagement to Jane Asher yes uh, the the romance of the decade it all seems to be going everything's going well everything's going well and then uh, on Tuesday the 26th of December 1967 on BBC One at 8.35 in glorious black and white having been edited down to 55 minutes from 10 hours of ad hoc footage uh, the BBC One premieres the Magical Mystery Tour film and I would hate to think if Twitter had been around at yeah. that time what the uh, what the feedback might have been at the time but it's, it seems to cast a long shadow that initial uh, broadcast because the next day knives are out, reviews are bad and... Yeah, it's, it's panned, absolutely panned. I, I don't think there's anything uh, you know, there's, I've, I've got some comments here from newspapers at the time so the Daily Express said the bigger they are the harder they fall and what a fall it was um, the whole boring saga confirmed a long-held suspicion that the Beatles are four rather pleasant young men who have made so much money they can afford to be contemptuous of the public. Uh, the Daily Sketch, where is the Daily Sketch? Uh, <laughs> whoever authorised the showing of the film on BBC One should be condemned to a year squatting at the feet of the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Well, George would be fine with that. Um, uh, some people protested, said the Sun, that uh, the programme was incomprehensible. Well, look, the BBC, in their defence, paid £10,000, apparently, for the rights to show the show. And they did not ask for any kind of pre-screening. The uh, director general at the time uh, basically said, how much do you want? I will clear a spot in the schedule. I'm not going to say no to To an exclusive Beatles bit of uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas telly. What isn't reported is that it was the most watched programme in on British television on Christmas 1967 it's 20 million people watched it and uh, you know we're still watching it today yeah uh, I'm not you know and again maybe Magical Mystery Tour itself is a, is a podcast episode I'm not here to defend it it's certainly ropey but we're so it's it, it has its uh, moments and we're glad it exists and it's uh, it's a thing that still stands up you're giving me a, a yeah, slightly it, it, scathing it, it, look it has its fans of whom, <laughs> of whom I am one okay uh, I, 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 I say it's maybe a, it definitely is a whole podcast in itself but I, I watched it again uh, when it came out it was shown on, on Arena yes uh, whenever the, the remastered Blu-ray set came out and um, I sat down and watched it with my mother <laughs> and uh, who I have to say was a big fan of the Goons okay she loved it so she got it she, she, she got it um, you know it's, it's indulgent um but I, I think uh, it, it's uh, it, it stands up. I think it, I think it's worth uh, if anyone hasn't seen it. I mean, oh, it's uh, definitely. You no, know, it didn't get a release in America. 
That yes, that um, is true. Because, principally because of this backlash. Yes. Uh, so it wasn't scheduled to be sort of shown on Boxing Day or anything, but it was going to be sold uh, to America. And they they after this they didn't they didn't touch it. And as memory serves, it turns up in cinemas as a supporting feature in the early seventies. Yeah, the there USA. was a. Uh, in America, in particular, there was this kind of college yes, circuit, circuit, and uh, it was a regular uh, uh, screening there. That might have been the best way to see it. And uh, well, the the other, I forget which Monty Python film it was, but there's uh, Eric Idle says about, or Michael Palin says about going. To, they were given a screening. I think it went out with and now for something completely different. I uh, think it didn't. It didn't actually go out, okay. but it was offered to oh, them, right. and they thought this will be great. And and I think it's Palin recounts going to a sort of private screening and thinking. Well, we'll not bother. That's fine, <laughs> as you were. So, but that that in, if if it had gone out, I think it might have a better reputation. But it does interrupt Paul McCartney's Christmas because the next day, Wednesday, the twenty seventh of December, he goes on television to the Frost program to be interviewed by David Frost, which is on the evening. It's recorded in the evening between six and seven, and it goes up between half ten and, and uh, this that is a night. this is an amazing thing. It's an odd interview, and what's interesting is Frost introduces him as saying, "Here is the man most responsible." Mr. Paul McCartney yeah. saying it's not a Beatles thing it's a yes, Paul thing yes that, I thought that, that that's a very interesting introduction that whether um, Paul uh, the other Beatles said to him right this is your idea yeah, <laughs> you, you go on and do fall. this but the very idea that, that Paul McCartney would come you know the day after Mm. And 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 sort of subject himself and feel that he had to go and uh, sort of sit down in front of the British public and yes. explain himself yes. or explain the band. Um, and uh, you sort of wonder: was there any discussion about, you know, will we send Ringo? Will How we send we, yes. George? Will we send John? Well, we can't send John. You know, God knows what he'll say. Uh, or, or did Paul kind of? in a sort of knee-jerk defensive thing say this is a great film I'm going to go on and do this Yes and he does say a couple of perceptive things so he does say uh, I won't do my Paul voice but uh, he says if you watch it a second time it does grow on you and this is one thing we forget because when you make a record a lot of people listen to our records and say well I don't like that one you know but the second time around they say not bad and then after a few plays you know, uh, open brackets, that they like the songs. And I think that's that's a good point. It does, you know, Magical Mystery Tour isn't a linear narrative film. It's something that's got lots of little fun visual cues. It is, it was undermined by being shown in black and white. It's much better in colour. Yeah. But it does. And I think in, in, in that sense, that's, ex- you know, I think that's exactly right what you've just said there about it. It's not a linear narrative. It's lots of little, it, it sort of not even interconnected. I mean, the whole idea of a, a bus trip is just a, you know, very flimsy yeah. uh, 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 structure. But, in that sense, it does prefigure Python, yeah. uh, even sort of things like, you know, the Fast Show or Vic Reeves or yes. all of that kind of slightly odd British English. But even the stuff that comes out today, video albums, you know, if yeah. this was, you know, people doing like, oh, so-and-so has a new album out and there's going to be like a Netflix special with an hour long cut of some of the tracks, you'd be like, fine. You yeah. Know, it's yeah, yeah. just people, again, didn't really know how to, what to do I, with I this think that's it. it was, I think it was so different. Yeah. Uh, in terms of that narrative point. Yes. But also so different from the kind of Bruce Forsyth, Val Dunigan, yeah, uh, Christmas, Morgan kind of Wise, Mums and Dads all sit down and watch. You know, it was just... Uh, but but it, it it secured a 20 million audience, audience and which the, you would think the BBC would be happy with that. Absolutely. I'm sure they were fine at the end of the day. This, uh, and it was repeated late, a few days later in colour on BBC Two because I was the only colour channel in the UK at the time. Paul McCartney did say one other interesting thing in that interview. Well, he said lots of interesting things, but the thing I highlighted <laughs> was uh, he said, uh, because in about a year or two, these things that don't look like successes will look a bit more like successes. You know, 
as people get into that kind of thing. Yeah. And he, he actually said... I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. Yeah. And he said the exact same thing in defence of McCartney, his debut album. Oh, I thought you were going to say in, in defence of Give My Regards to Broad Street. No, there's nothing that can be said. Well, maybe there is something that can be said in defence of Give My Regards to Broad Perhaps Street. Perhaps enough time hasn't passed no. yet. <laughs> um, but so that's 1967. Let's uh, carry on into December 1968. And in December 1968, they are still uh, the biggest band in the world. They are yeah. selling uh, copious amounts of copies of the White Album, which is number one in the UK and in the US. That came out at the end of November. Uh, number one uh, Christmas single in 1968 is uh, Lily the Pink by The Scaffold. That's Paul McCartney's brother. And uh, number one in the US for Christmas 68 is Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine. But interestingly, Hey Jude had been number one right up until December 1968 in the US. It had been number one for a long time. And Two, two Virgins by John and Yoko didn't, didn't make the number one spot. Didn't really, no. no. So it was pipped at the post. And uh, so, but there's a lot of stuff that's kind of happening that in retrospect we now know was, you know, maybe clouds on the horizon. Um, you know, Apple as a business is open, but it's starting to burn through money. It's going through its chaotic pre-Alan Klein phase. And uh, George Harrison sends a memo out in, at the start of December 68 about some Christmas visitors. Yes. Yeah, so he'd, he'd been in California and met some hell's angels, uh, so, <laughs> as you do. So he, he was out there producing uh, Jackie Lomax LP for Apple. But he said to the hell's angels, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you must swing by... Um, Apple mm. when you get the chance. So at the beginning of December, he sends a little memo saying, uh, you know, these Hells Angels will be in London. They're on their way to sort out Czechoslovakia, <laughs> the, that, that, that situation. Um, and he said, uh, you may, they may look as if they're going to do you in, but they're very straight and do good things. So don't fear them or uptight them. It's like <laughs> a hippie speak. Try to assist them without neglecting Apple business and without letting them take control of Savile Row. So he clearly had a notion that that, yeah, that, see, that might be on the... <laughs> and, and, and indeed, they did arrive. They did uh, arrive. They did arrive. But it wasn't too... They, they, they then left again. Well, yeah. They, they, <laughs> well, there's the Apple Christmas party takes place. Yes. And there's some great photographs. Of, of John you, and uh, Yoko. John and Yoko dressed yeah. as kind of, you, you know, mother and father Christmas. And uh, the story is, you know, the Hells Angels are still there. Yes. There have been attempts by some Apple staff to, to sort of get them to move along but um, the food arrives including a turkey and the Hells Angels just descend on the food and, and, and devour everything and kind of disrupt the Apple uh, Christmas party but eventually George is the one that goes and says you know very nicely enough is enough yes. uh, off, off you go go and sort out Czechoslovakia they possibly still <laughs> and there and they did and uh, eventually, that was all fine eventually yeah uh, the other thing that happens roughly at the same time is uh, Tuesday the 10th of December and Wednesday the 11th of December 68 is that John is involved with Yoko at the Rolling Stones the recording of the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus yeah. which doesn't see the light of day until the mid 90s but he records uh, famously a version of Your Blues which yes. is from the just released White Album with his new supergroup, the Dirty Mac and again this is a harbinger of plastic no bands going to Toronto kind of thing. In yeah, I think I think that's what that, that that's what's fascinating for me is this is this is John stepping outside the Beatles and it, on a live stage mm. um, and uh, with Yoko. Yes. Um, so as you say, there's a supergroup pulled together, which is John, Yoko, uh, Eric Clapton, Mitch Mitchell from the uh, Jimi Hendrix Experience, and Keith Richards on, on bass. bass yeah. uh, so Bill Wyman still occasionally, or certainly when he was still giving interviews, still referenced how annoyed he was mm. uh, that Keith was so determined to be part of this that, that Bill was kind of ousted and Keith picked up the bass. 
Right. And uh, there's there's recently been a reissue of that and there's a kind of a slight rehearsal take of John doing Revolution. It's a yes. Bit, it's I mean, I, instrumentally, I, it's but it's a, interesting it's, that that was a possibility. It was under consideration. That. That, yeah. that, 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 that is, because you kind of think, well, uh, th- that, that's more in keeping perhaps with the Stones, uh, Street Fighting Man, Simply for the Devil, uh, that was going on around that. And as you mentioned uh, fleetingly earlier on, it's the first Christmas with Yoko. So, yes. you know, we've had... John has, puts out, has just put out um, Two Virgins with himself and Yoko in the nip on the cover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Yoko is, he, they're becoming the John and Yoko couple. And they do kind of some underground stuff at Christmas as well. They, 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 they do an underground gig, don't they, the week before Christmas? Yeah. Um, I mean, just but what, what I would say is this, this, is, uh, this wasn't released. But at the time, but if it had been, oh, uh, yeah. it would have been interesting to see what the public reaction would have been to Yoko's performance on, on the this. Rock and Roll that, Circus. Yeah, the yeah. Rock and Roll Circus. Um, so th- there's a track where she does, was just kind of a jam with Yoko screaming over the top of it. Um, uh, Liam Gallagher and I think it's great. <laughs> uh, and it's variously called Whole Lot of Yoko. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or Her Blues. Right. Uh, but again, I think the clip of that is on, on, is on YouTube. And you kind of think if that had suddenly been on the nation's television screens. What what the reception? Well, the other thing, the other kind of parallel what if is, imagine if in the wake of the White Album, the Beatles had decided to film performances of a bunch of songs in December 1968 from that album. Because yeah. there was something in the yeah. ether at the time that they were going to do some performances. Yes. The Roundhouse in Camden was rumoured to be booked for three nights. This is the this is, this is is the sort of uh, lead in to the Get Back, Let It Be project with yeah. this idea that, you know, the White Album had been a sort of st- slightly stripped back or quite stripped back compared with Pepper and mm. Magical Mystery Tour and they'd left the psychedelic stuff behind and, uh, and it could have been performed live there's a bunch uh, there's of a lot, that there's a lot of it and it, on, on the box set uh, that came out of the White Album you know, you've got the Isha demos but you've also got studio takes where they're performing as a group yep. and, and interestingly Your Blues is one of the songs that they did tightly as effectively a band, as, as, a, as, yeah. as a group so yeah they they, they, they it was it was a possibility. Mm. Um, so you've got Lennon performing live, and then McCartney really pushing this idea for the next project. You know, we've got to get back into the clubs. Let's let's write new songs, perform them live, record it, and which is what they start ten days after Christmas yeah. in, in January '69. If if we look at the Christmas '68 record, though, again with the benefit of hindsight, you, you can tell that something is amiss because this then is another kind of right turn as far as the Christmas records go. It's the Beatles' sixth Christmas record. It says Happy Christmas. Um, but it's recorded separately. They do not record it together. And if I read the notes on the back, it says, recorded in November 1968 at the lush London homes of Beatle John and Beatle Paul and in the back of Beatle Ringo's diesel-powered removal van somewhere in Surrey, the voice of Beatle George is heard because yours faithfully, the GPO, did something right and joined up 6,000 miles of telephone links at an appropriate moment. Additional material was recorded earlier at the elegant Esher home of Beatle George during rehearsal sessions for the Beatles LP album set. So stuff from the Esher demos yeah time and famously the 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 producer of this is uh uh went on to be uh well he was at the time kenny everett yes um but went on to greater fame uh, as a dj and comedian and and presenter and all-round uh legend really and he's listed on the back as non-beatle kenny foreverett and and one of the things here is yoko is on this yes so quite quite uh a significant presence uh on this so john is 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 effectively recording Little little tracks. Um, uh, one of the most interesting things that he does here is that poem, Jock and Yono. Right. Um, so Yoko was playing 
the piano and it's, it's, uh, he is reciting a poem that, that really sounds as if it could be on one of his books. But the, there's a line in there saying they battled on against overwhelming oddities, including some of their beast friends. Mm. And that, I think, is is the reference to the hostility that they perceived, that John in particular perceived from the other Beatles. And um, uh, Harrison in particular was very aggrieved that that line was there and that this was going out, um, whether he knew beforehand or not. But he certainly commented that, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he took exception to that. Yes. McCartney is actually performing little acoustic Numbers, yes, he is. Actually, um, yeah. Which you kind of think, uh, you know, they're 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 hark back to the Esher demos. My favourite uh, is um, George's very well. Here we are. It's another Christmas. <laughs> ha- Christmas hasn't been here since well this time last year. He's clearly not engaged at all, and he turns most of his uh, a lot of time over to Tiny Tim. Yes, who does. The oddest version of Nowhere Man you'll ever <laughs> you'll ever hear, but you kind of think it's all for the punchline. Uh, I think where George, once he finishes, says "Thank you and God bless you, Tiny Tim," which is a sort of <laughs> a Christmas a Christmas carol. Um, so that's Christmas '68. That leads us to the last Christmas we're going to discuss today, Christmas 1969, and the the change from '68 to '69 is again remarkable because. Yep. The Beatles are essentially done. They've had their last day in the studio together. Abbey Road has come out. Um, They uh, are on precarious terms professionally and personally. Um, They're still due to do the I Me Mind session that we discussed in a previous episode in January 1970. Um, But by the end of 1969, it's very fractious. And if we stick on the, the Christmas records for a second, there is... Still, though, Beatle business to be done. There is a seventh Beatles Christmas record. It is the final one. So, you know, you could be a Beatles fan at the end of 1969, getting your Beatles fan club record of new and exclusive material and think, well, something's happening. All is is well. All is well. Uh, But again, it's recorded separately. Uh, It says uh, on the back, you know, from Ascot in Berkshire, from Raybridge in Surrey, from St. John's Wood in the borough of Marlebone. John Paul Ringapoe and George send you these tapes of love and greetings uh, by the Iron Wrist of Morris Cole, which is Kenny Everett's uh, real name. Uh, the Beatles wish all of you a happy Christmas and may the 70s give peace a chance. And, uh, but, you know, it wasn't to be. Again, everybody's doing their own thing. Yes. Um, it's even more sort of fragmented. But as you say, if you received this at the time, it was the same idea as the previous one. It, it's kind of little things linked together. Yeah. Um, interestingly, this time, George barely contributes. He's hardly, I think he just says one word or something. He, he basically says uh, you know, happy Christmas this is George Harrison wishing you all a happy Christmas. It's, yeah. it's five, six seconds tops. He's, he's more noticeable in Life of Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Ringo, Ringo is plugging the Magic Christian yep. film. Paul is uh, doing another little acoustic ditty <laughs> and most of it is taken up with uh, John and Yoko sort of wandering around a garden talking and, uh, and Yeah, it's Kenny very Apple. John and Yoko. It's heavy. very John, John and Yoko. Um, but uh, again, it, it's, it, it reflects where they all were, what was happening at the time. One thing I'm very struck about when you take the seven Beatles Christmas records together, and this is noticeable from the, the box set from a few years back, if you look at the seven separate sleeves, mm. they cover, as well as anything, the kind of the change in optics and art and presentation yes, of the 1960s yes. as anyone else, because it kind of starts with very formulaic 
showbiz type pictures and then it goes into photo collage um, very kind of mod 60s design and then the the very last one is kind of a blurry photo of Christmas lights it looks like a the War on Drugs' new album, you know, yes. it's, it's kind of got that kind of, uh, if you told me this was some kind of new American indie group, I would believe you with a, a doodle from future Who drummer Zach Starkey on the back. Um, so if you kind of take those, you know, it's kind of a parallel history of the Beatles, those seven records from mm. Chirpy Chappies to, you know, deeply creative individuals through to fractious, can't even be in the same room type yeah. people. It's, a yeah. par- it's, it's, it's well worth taking in that way. What's interesting, at the end of 69, you know, Paul has kind of disappeared off the map and we talked before how he was in Scotland and yeah. he comes back to London for Christmas. Uh, Ringo uh, premieres his Magic Christian movie in December 69. But there's an awful lot of John and Yoko in 69. This is this is one of, yes, this is this is fascinating to me that if you actually look at a, a sort of a diary uh, of what's happening uh, from, from the 1st of December to the, to the end of the month, it's, there's a huge amount happening. Um, the final... Beatles book, the monthly fan club magazine, yes. is published uh, 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 in December 1969, which again seems, um, you know, they, they were slightly ahead of the curve there in, in, in that everything was winding down. Um, so that's absolutely an, uh, an end point for that. Uh, John and Yoko were being filmed for documentaries. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're working on uh, their own solo project so there's another uh, people will be hoping this gets a re-release at some point there's a fourth unfinished music uh, oh. record uh, one side of which was them laughing and one side of them was, was them whispering right uh, so that was recorded but not released uh, it's in the can I we're, we're all that. hoping that that'll be a box set uh, of that so they're still working on their, their projects they're making films they make a film called Apio- what? Apotheosis Apotheosis yeah I have to I have to read that to be able to say it which yeah. is just a balloon journey but yeah. it's the movie about the movie the, that's it, interesting the, the, yes it's the movie about the movie and this is on, on YouTube uh, there's a little kind of documentary footage of them going to, to a village and there's a hot air balloon and they get into the basket with a hot air balloon and, uh, and then but then off camera yeah, they get out of the, <laughs> of know, the and balloon, the camera goes up. Uh, but the camera stays in. But the, but but there's this kind of notion that perhaps John and Yoko are sort of several miles up uh, in the sky. The movie itself is only sort of eighteen, nineteen minutes long, and it kind of the balloon is filming as it goes up through and bursts through the cloud uh, cover. But this is the kind of thing if you were John Lennon, you could get the funding <laughs> by, by, by just picking up the phone. Um, the the war is over. Campaign that the starts, poster campaign fifty starts years ago this month, in, yeah. in this uh, December, um, but uh, they're flying to Toronto the, to, to you know they're meeting the uh, Pierre Trudeau from Canada, the Canadian Prime Minister, and so their campaign and and the John and Yoko brand yes is Very all strong. over the place. The Beatles at this stage, there's a lot of remixing of tracks for the Hey Jude compilation. Yeah, um, uh, one track that I hadn't heard until I started. Uh, sort of researching this is a new version of Octopus's Garden. Right. So Ringo is appearing on a TV special and for union-related, musicians' union reasons, um, ban on miming, he couldn't just mime along to the Beatles. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they stripped some of the Beatles' instrumentation off and got Session Man to play over the top of it so that it was sufficiently different. Is that out there? Uh, It's on YouTube. I I had never heard it until uh, quite recently, Um, but I was scarring through bootlegs of Abbey Road sessions and suddenly this is this is there so I mean it's a very insipid 
arrangement and yes. um, it, it's, it reminds me of those occasions when you know much later in the 70s where people would you know punk and you would go on to Top of the Pops but it yes, would be the BBC the Orchestra would be playing uh, some new way of record it's a, it's a very odd because but is it a Beatles record I mean it's there it's on it it's got them on it it's got them on it and then, and then I'm back the to thinking well that's another track should have been on the the Abbey Road, the Abbey Road box. box set that's a whole other and uh, and the Plastic Ona Band Live Toronto album comes out just before Christmas so that's yes. recorded in September yeah uh, famously where Lennon decides to leave the Beatles yes. uh, in a whim uh, and here we are three months later and it's 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 out there. It is and I mean I, uh, you know if we go back to, to, to get to the get back sessions the whole the whole idea here is Paul is saying let's play live yeah. let's go and you know George is saying absolutely not I mean he kind of nixes that Lennon is saying not interested but yet you know building on the, the, the rock and roll circus uh, the year before he's played live in Toronto. He and Yoko do a, a gig at the Lyceum Ballroom on the 15th of December yeah. that we will be talking a little bit about. Um, George is out touring with Delaney and Bonnie just effectively as the yep. guitar player in the back. He's touring. So you, you so could, Paul doesn't get the message that we do on a tour with, with you. you. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, but it's interesting. Paul doesn't do this. You know, yeah. presumably Paul could pick up an acoustic guitar and, and, and do a little tour. But doesn't or, Lennon write to him about a year later saying, we've all been out playing live. Yes. Why aren't you playing yes. live, Paul? Um, so that, that I, I, it, it seems to me that, that it, it, it makes it very clear that Paul saw the live touring, the live performances. That was the way to keep the band together. He wasn't interested in, 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 doing, uh, in doing live performances per se. Okay. Um, and then right at the end of the year, the, the John Lennon Man of the Decade TV special yes, goes out, yes. um, which has kind of been recorded over the previous weeks. But it's interesting because, you know, there's a there's a great book that came out this year and in the end, uh, which kind of looks at their breaks down in 1969. And it, it very nicely puts out the trajectory of how John and Yoko go from being sidelined in January 69 at the Let It Be sessions through to at the end of the year being media manipulators. Yes hugely famous as a separate entity totally with a new identity from the Beatles and uh, you know this kind of documentary is part of that I think it's a 20 minute segment uh, if I remember rightly JFK and Mousy yep. Young are the other two yep. people featured so that's <laughs> good company, a strange yeah. company to keep and uh, but it, it, it really draws a line under no this isn't the Beatles decade yes Here's a yes. show about John Lennon and Yoko. That that's it. I mean, he he is he is separate from this, and yeah. and and they are very focused. It's that where they start using the John and Yoko as a single yeah. word, and uh, yeah, it's 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 out there as well if people want to uh, to watch it. So it's quite a trip, isn't it, Stephen? Those n- ten Christmases from 1960 to 1969. We've gone from uh, guys who, you know, couldn't get a break post Hamburg through to being on top of the, the, the world and uh, you know it, it's interesting to see it's you know it's often said the Lou Reed quote of uh, uh, my week beats your year yes. the Beatles could get stuff done in a in a month that other people would take a year to do their years were like decades that they just it is it's, a, it's, it, it's the speed yeah. it's the speed uh, that, 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 that these things are happening at um, and also then the, the speed of the sort of the, the abrupt halt Yes. You know, that's the thing. You're sort of rushing up to this decade. And as you say, suddenly uh, they're fractured um, uh, and they're all doing their, their separate things. And uh, 12 months on again, McCartney's serving a writ. Yes. And, and maybe the Beatles Christmases in the 1970s might be 
a future episode. A future episode. <laughs> or we can uh, kind of break future, that down a little yeah. bit more. Um, okay, so listen, they are the Beatles Christmases. Let us know what you think. Again, we are in the usual places. We're on Twitter, at BeatlesPod. Uh, we are on Facebook, uh, at the Nothing Is Real group. If you knock on that door, Stephen might let you in. And uh, if you... Uh, want to leave a nice review or feedback and anywhere where you listen to your podcasts we would be grateful for uh, anything that you uh, any good reviews you might want to leave behind um, but for now uh, my name's Jason Carty my name's Stephen Cockcroft and this is Nothing Is Real thank you for listening catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 